So today I'm joined by Jeeves Vijay Surya, who is the current chair of the Junior Doctors Committee. Jeeves, say hello. Hi, nice to meet you. Uh, so um, this is a podcast. You can't see them, by the way, Jeeves. I mean, so I realise that I had no idea what to say in that yeah. situation. If I'm <laughs> Excellent, honest. good. First uh, time doing one of these, so this will be interesting. Um, try not to put your hand over your mouth when you're speaking, Jeeves. Okay. okay. Did your mum not tell you this before? I mean, I, oh, Jesus. Okay, come on. <laughs> So, um, Jeeves, tell us a brief background as to who you are. Okay. Uh, so, uh, I'm Jeeves Wujisuria. I am, I am, yes, current chair of the Junior Doctors Committee at the VMA. I um, trained in uh, Barts in the London, in East London. Uh, really, really proud of my time there at that medical school. Um, I grew up in northwest London uh, in a place called Wembley. Uh, and uh, I did my first foundation year academic job in Northampton and Leicester in the East Midlands. Um, Do they not like you? They sent you to, uh, to Northampton. I mean, the, the problem with me is I'm a Londoner and I couldn't really, uh, you know, I came back with my tail between my legs. Um, and now I'm an academic GP over in East London um, and I'm currently an ST2, but I do that alongside, so alongside the clinical work, I, I work for the BMA uh, doing the stuff I do for the Junior Doctors Committee. My academic interest is uh, medical education. It's what my BSc at medical school was in. It's what my master's at the moment is in. Uh, and it's actually what ended up getting me uh, involved in the BMA as well as you, Johan. Uh, so there you are. Oh, yeah, because you're, you're one part of the Bart's conspiracy to take over the oh, world. Oh, right? yeah, apparently so. I mean, we're everywhere at the moment, which is interesting. <laughs> but there you go. Okay, so Jeeves, tell us about your, uh, your uh, how, you know, what made you at medical school how, how have you got into these into these roles in terms of um, your experience at medical school? What drove you to kind of take on these roles? Well, if, I, if, I, if I'm really honest, I think at medical school, obviously I was trying to get a medical degree, but also I was just having a good time with my friends. I did things that interested me, that I was passionate about, um, played a bit of football, a bit of hockey, and you know, through kind of a lot of the stuff that I was doing with the kind of students' union, uh, I got really involved in the SU, um, I uh, ended up uh, being president of the um, Parts of the London Medical Association, so the, the sort of students' union for the medics and dentists there, uh, and that was... A long, rich tradition. A long, rich tradition of people <laughs> who have done that. Uh, and, um, yeah, so I, I did a sabbatical year, uh, sort of uh, being in charge of kind of our students' union, but also, I suppose, working with the medical school in terms of curricular design, reform some of the things that were happening between ourselves and kind of associated the associated university. Um, and I think things just kind of spiraled. I, I've always just picked things that I think interest me and that I enjoy and that I'm passionate about or I think are a cause that's worth kind of fighting for. Mm. And I kind of came into the Students' Union to try and make experience a bit better, to improve the quality of medical education, and that led me to doing this kind of medical education BSc. Uh, it's led to me doing the masters and the academic job and all that kind of stuff because it's something that I've remained quite passionate about. It's how I sort of ended up uh, involved with the juniors doctor junior doctors committee because after my F two year, when if you like the contract dispute was starting to pick up after the DDRB made their recommendations um, and just produced this awful awful proposed uh, contract that just didn't acknowledge education and training, didn't acknowledge what actually were even beyond the contract actually. Um, were just fundamental problems with the way doctors' lives work, fundamental kind of problems with the way application systems work. And um, so a big part of what I 
ended up joining because of was to kind of address some of those education and training problems and also just reintroduce a bit of humanity into a machine after MTAS that really sort of lost that. Okay, so you talked about um, your time as a student union officer. Yeah. And many of our, um, kind of the theme of a lot of what we're doing is about developing leadership skills as an individual. Yeah. Um, And we, you know, people talk about, about student politics in uh, all <laughs> often in a derogatory way and a mm. negative way but what are the you know from your personal experience what are the experiences that you gained in those roles that then you've tr- you've got if any have any of those skills you've gained in those roles translated into kind of the real world outside yeah abso- absolutely if i'm honest i actually you know I, I know I know what some people think about kind of student politics but I, I I don't think leaders are just kind of born they don't suddenly emerge out of nowhere I think they're that student politics is actually one of the most amazing if you like breeding grounds for learning about policy and I know that sounds I know policy sounds like the most boring thing especially health policy but actually all policy fundamentally is is you looking at the way things are finding something that isn't working and deciding there's a way to make it better that is what policy is. When you really boil it down into its simplest terms, that's all it is. And that is exactly what people in student unions is one example of the many ways people can get involved in policy. But actually, it's one of the, you know, for me, it's one of the easiest ways to come across how you change things. You know, whether you go into your student union and you're like, actually, I think the way that we organize for people uh, to be able to uh, get involved in societies, the way we pay our subsystems or, you know, something like that or the way we participate in team sports, the way it's organised, actually people can't participate. Um, Well, actually, being able to go to your student union and say, well, we need to change things in this way, we need to make sure people are released from clinical firms or whatever it is on a Wednesday afternoon so they can actually participate in sport, because actually they will be better off because of it. Or whether it's saying, you know, without firms, people who get sent to hospitals far, far away from their support networks and their friendship groups and all of those things. You know, I've seen some amazing policy from student unions saying, actually, if you're being sent to somewhere really far away, not only should you make sure that there's accommodation and support for you, but there should be at least someone that you go with to each of those firms. You have a friend, someone to talk to, so you've got that social network. I mean, I, I think increasingly when we are seeing increasing amounts kind of mental health issues and issues with isolation and feeling a bit lost, Things like that are so important. So when I talk about policy and things that happen in the student union, I don't think they're that intrinsically different to what we're trying to do later. You're seeing a no, problem, making think, it better. Yeah. And and what a great place to learn how to do that, other than in a university setting where you're surrounded by your peers and your friends. So in terms of the advice for uh, young people coming through, mm. um, getting involved is obviously something we both passionately believe in and you, you, you've demonstrated and you've explained how important it is. I guess there's, you know, we've just gone through, um, we're, it's a timely time we're talking to you because yeah. we've just gone through an application process to join our Amazing. next scholars group and there's a lot of interest for individuals trying to develop their skills and coming to that realisation that actually right now leadership is kind of seen as very fashionable but, yeah. but it's so much more because they realize that actually that skill set is something they're going to translate into their everyday lives so what, what kind of key advice would you give to the like to 
the average student out there, whether it's medical students, yeah. nursing students, paramedics, anyone yeah. who have an interest in leadership and then are thinking, okay, well, I can't be the student union president yeah. or I can't be run a student society. What sh should I do in terms of to start that? Journey? I think I think that's a really good question. I think I think the problem for me is people see leadership as oh, I go and do an interview on the news or leadership is only holding a position of authority. That, that's not leadership necessarily. There are so many different ways to be a leader. Um, you know, I've seen amazing clinical like interventions where people working on a ward have gone, isn't it crazy that when we get our list in the morning, we don't really know where people are or what's happening with them. And I was talking to a trainee um, from Wessex who basically introduced into their surgical on-call tape just a giant whiteboard that just went, here are the patients and here's what's happening to them. Incredible intervention. That is great leadership. And so I, I think what's really hard is, and maybe this is a generational thing, I think we have this great sense of imposter syndrome that we only see leadership as one thing. And actually it's lots of little things. It's caring about a campaign and making a decision to change something, whether that's on your ward, in your workplace, in your student union, whether that's campaigning about immigration um, fees, whether that's campaigning about tier two visas, or, or whether it's trying to change something that probably is wrong within you know, your, your local workplace and saying, actually, I think this could be better. All of those things are common skills that you develop from finding a problem and trying to make it better. And I think what I would say to people that are thinking, oh, I really want to get into leadership, there's no one way to get better. There's no one way to get trained. It's about finding people that will support you and help you and learning from, the, learning from them and learning from your experiences, big okay. or small. Interesting. And, and in terms of you, you, you must have already in your career um, led quite a lot of different teams, right? You've done it at a student union level, you've done it from being a doctor and you've done it in, in a kind of political role. Um, what, do, what do you personally find enjoyable? What do you find enjoyable about each of those kind of those things so that I, you've done? I'm a big fan of the people. I think the people are the most important thing. I mean, I'm trained to be a GP, so I'm obviously going to say that. But um, uh, one of my favourite bits was after the people, I, as in, what, as in you know, the people that you work with and the okay. people that you do it for. I mean, I think you know, obviously, there's always a lot of you're good at the whole, you're good at the sound bites. Right? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know what to say. It's not my, <laughs> not my fault. Um, so I think, so I think, so what, uh, after I did the presidency at Barts, I did something called UH Med Group. Which oh was, yeah, yeah, everyone loves was, the UH Med Group. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was. You, well, know, you, you basically started the UH. Uh, you re reformed, I reformed the, the magazine you, you, that originally. I mean, it's a disaster. The UH uh, committee that was uh, that after Yulu decided to go off on self-destruct. So basically we had this this group of the five different medical schools. And we had each of their presidents. And um, after I was president of Barts, I, I, I was elected chair of that group of people. And I think sometimes yeah, a Very, that's... very a noble path through <laughs> life. <laughs> You're the worst. Um, but I think one of the best things about the time that I spent doing that is you got to see that the problems you faced weren't unique to one medical school. They were across all five. And you built these great relationships. And those guys and I, you know, um, uh, those folks and I, we're still friends. We still meet up every other year uh, and, and go for a beer and catch up. We still send each other the odd joke about whatever it is that we're doing. And I, I, I think that that just like being, you know, doing whatever I did at university or, or being involved in a club or society. Actually, when you're facing a problem, you're usually not alone. There's usually people with common interests, and that's a big part of when you face a problem. And I think one of the best things that you will get out of these experiences, you will find people with those common interests, those common goals, and you'll build relationships with them. And I think that's so important um, when it comes to campaigning, when it comes to teamwork, when it comes to building teams. Um, 
because it's the relationships with the people around you. It's the common cause that you find together that's so important. And even now with what I'm doing, you meet so many juniors doing fantastic things, big, I wouldn't even say small, I think just different contexts. Um, and actually, I think that's that's probably my favorite my favorite thing is you meet people really who are really passionate and you get a chance to help them you know, find something that they care about and connect them up to your yeah. part of the network. Very that's that's one of my favorite things about it. Cool. And you're right now immersed in kind of junior doctor politics and the politics of the NHS. <laughs> but I guess looking forward to the next, I don't know, ten years of your life, what do you uh, what do you see as like what do you see as the interesting challenges maybe in primary care? Because you're you know, mm. whilst you're immersed in junior doctor politics right now, you're obviously training to be a GP, and yeah. you've, you've expressed uh, throughout that your your aim is to be a, pra a, a GP. I think in East London, and 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 be a, <laughs> and essentially uh, be I a medical educationist. I, I love how we think I have a choice, <laughs> and, and be a medical medical educationist, as far as I understand. I mean, right? I'm so, doing a bit of that now. Um, so, what do you what do you see? What do you see as the kind of main challenges that you want to kind of get involved with, and and try and take the learning you've gained from these experiences and, and make well, a fundamental change? As you can imagine, right now. I'm, I'm immersed in in kind of the uh, the role that I'm doing now representing junior doctors better trying to reintroduce that humanity into the machine you know we've released all this stuff the rostering guidance to try and you know make things better for junior doctors in their working lives we're releasing all this this work we've done on enhancing junior doctors working lives changing application systems and stuff supporting people with crises like the st3 stuff and amazing how you and get all of that out but come on i mean now, I, yeah, and we're about to go into contract talks again so you know there's all that but um so get your putting, head out of that stuff putting, and get into putting what is, what's, going, what, what's going on but i you know I, I i think at a certain point where in terms of where i'm going to be i mean i i really want a cct i want to go back to clinical work yeah um I think I'll always want to do education alongside that and reform things a little bit um, in terms of the way What do you GP see the big challenges done. of, say, for East London general practice? What are the big Hon challenges? Honestly, I think that right now, two of the big campaigns that I think are happening and probably will continue to happen for some time will be around the immigrant charging and the tier two visas. I think there are huge issues around access to healthcare. I think that current policy is a huge hit to the public health endeavors of. Uh, of, 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 of the entire health service. I Lots think. of people can have a real compassion and a real empathy for that, for those policy, mm. those, those policy areas mm. where they really want to get involved. Yeah. And I guess, you know, the, it, the stuff that we might have traditionally got involved with in terms of junior doctors' uh, uh, yeah. politics, the wider context, how would you tell, you know, maybe there are some people out there that maybe not interested in getting involved in trade union policies, yeah, but yeah. they might be interested in those wider Specific policy campaigns. questions. Yeah, absolutely. How, would you, how would you advise them to get involved in those things? I mean, I think the key is, is, is to joining some of those campaigns. I think it's getting behind what's happening in those specific areas of, of work. There's a fantastic Docs Not Cops campaign, which is about the immigration stuff. Uh, there's a huge amount happening with the tier two visas that people can sign up to. Loads of resource online. You can write to your MP. There's websites around the implications of Brexit, which I think is also going to be huge. Um, if you if you ask me, what are the big policy things that are that are going to be happening? I, you know, I think in the next ten years we have a huge recruitment retention crisis on our hands that I think we have to deal with, and I think there are so many problems associated with the things I've just described and there are issues with our working lives that we need to we need to start to challenge we need to start to face but fundamentally it's also about culture change as as an entire health service we need to look after each other better 
We need to offer each other the kind of care that we're offering our patients. We need to be supportive and we need to be encouraging. We need to prioritize training. Those are all things that we need to start to think about and start doing. Um, so for me, when you ask me about what we're doing in the next 10 years, we need to think about long-term funding, but I think also fundamentally, as a, as a culture, as a profession, we need to start recognizing that we need to look after each other and ourselves a bit better. Okay. And I guess in your, um, in your mind, what are mm. the kind of three takeaways for, um, for, from your role, from being chair of JDC, <laughs> that you would tell yourself having at the beginning, apart from don't do it? So what are, <laughs> what are oh, the, that's my main one yeah. three times, so isn't what it? Are, so what are your three other takeaways? What would you like to have told yourself at the beginning of taking on something like this? I mean, run. Which but, is, um, <laughs> so I, I think... Run for it, not run to it. <laughs> oh, God, well, there's, a, there's a whole thing. Um, I mean, this is a, it's a difficult one, but I'd I mean, say... I guess it's the things that you would, you would like, encourage anyone taking on a role. What are the kind of three takeaways of taking on something as, as challenging as the role you've taken on? I think then... the first thing I would tell myself, because I think I tell myself this after every job, is uh, listen to the people who've done it. Listen to the people who've come before you, except Johan. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> L- listen well, to you the, can't help not yeah, listen I mean, to me. I, I can't. Yeah. I was really so furious. Yeah. Um, but you, I think it's important to listen to listen to experts. Always listen to you know people that know what they're talking about because I think that makes such a huge difference. Um, you know, people come into these jobs and they often think they can go their own way and they have their own fixed ideas about things. Always listen to experts. Always allow them to change your mind. Um, and you know, I think that that that's probably my first thing and the most important thing in my view. I think the um, the other two things, I think you've got to make time for yourself. One of the things I've learned looking at some of the really great leaders in the profession, some of the really great um, people that I've, I've had the fantastic opportunity to meet and, and come across, you know, I talk to them about just how much work it is because it's it's incredible the amount of work that you, I mean, you know this, that, that you have to do. And I talk to some of them and I say, well, you know, how do you, how do you manage to do this? And they say, well, no matter what, you block in some time for you to just sit and reflect and think about things. Literally time to just think about your meetings and I, I would really recommend that I guess the third thing is it's always about the people you know I think it's it's why I've not stopped working clinically despite doing this job is I think it's really important to stay grounded and make sure you're talking to people because that gives you the insight into knowing what's important and what's not make mm-hmm. sure you spend time with your friends and your family and and you know and just build relationships make sure you go for a beer with your mates like it will make a world of difference to you doing any job to not let it consume you um, as long as you make time for those things. So those are my three top three things I would say to myself. I probably ought to keep saying to myself, really, because every time I do something... I and phone your mother. Um, right? Well, no, don't. Oh, don't. She's going to listen to this. Like, <laughs> oh, it's just the worst. We oh. love your mother, don't we? So that you're, She's you're, been sat... Ever since she sat with you at that dinner, she's like, oh, you're, what a nice boy. Oh, <laughs> for God's sake. Well, and she's, she's a very insightful woman, obviously. Oh, no, so, she's uh, the worst. So, uh, so hi, hi, a big shout-out for Jeeves's mum. Uh, so... Uh, uh, Thank you, Jeeves, for um, taking the time out to join me today Real pleasure. and to uh, talk, give us some insights into your life. I think we'll we'll probably call, we'll probably uh, get you to come back at some point in the future and give us uh, give us uh, to see whether you're still alive after uh, <laughs> all the all the stones that get pelted at you. Well, um, but yes, thank you very much. Thanks very much, mate.